Well, good morning. Glad to be here. Sometimes they say it, uh, as we get older, we're glad to be anywhere. So, But uh, glad to be here and glad to uh, have a word from the Lord today. On the cover of our bulletin, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And that's out of Psalms 19. And as we uh, look at the colors of salvation as we continue with this, again, this is sort of twofold for, for me as I'm going through this. One is, it's a simple way that we can share the gospel message with those around us. These colors will um, make the message very easy, very simple, you know, five or six part step. There's something that uh, uh, just brings the story right out. The second is as we go through this, it can refresh in our life the things that we need to know and maybe that God is, is speaking to us about in our life that we might have misunderstood, that we might not have really um, grasp or gathered or, or held on to strongly in our life. And so when we began, we started out with uh, black. And what did black represent? Sin. Black represented sin, right? And it, uh, and it was sin that separates us from the God relationship. And I always want to just focus on the God relationship because everything that God does is about relationship. Um, Jesus came down to restore that Relationship. It wasn't just to pay the price for sin, but it was to restore us to him so that we might have that relationship with God. So when we look at black on a, on a card or in, in probably in a couple weeks here, I got some bookmarks I'm going to hand out that just goes through what we're going through here. We see and want to remember that black represents sins. And it's not that, that God has turned away from us, but it's that we had turned away from him. Go back to Genesis 1 in the Garden of Eden, and we see that it is man that initiated the sin, man that walked away from God. The scripture had told us, I think it was in Isaiah, uh, that by our iniquities, it is how we have been separated from God. So we understand that, that sin is our fault. It's not God's fault. Sin is our choice. It's not God's choice for us. God's choice for us, when he did all of creation, was that everything was good and that there was perfect harmony, perfect relationship with Adam and Eve at that time. Isn't that amazing to think about that? But by sin, we fell on that. And so then we went into red. And red represented what? The blood. The blood. And a lot of people don't want to talk about uh, the blood. But I tell people today we need to plead the blood. That we need to pray the blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there was no redemption of sin. So it's, a, it's the color of the blood of Jesus. It's not just our blood, but it was the blood of Jesus. And so we can sing songs about that, how um, being washed in the blood makes us whiter than snow. And, and you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, salvation doesn't make sense to the world. Foolishness, they say it is. But we know that it's by Jesus and Jesus alone. So when we see red, we see black, we see sin, we see red, we say, well, there's the payment for sin. And it's by Jesus and by Jesus alone. And that's very important. That there's one way to enter into that salvation. And that is through Jesus Christ 
in him alone. The world wants you to get sort of collectic. The world wants to say, well, there's a lot of things that uh, can get you into heaven. Some will say the works. You know, we live in an Amish community. Amish people, they're very nice. They're very cordial, wonderful people. They believe works gets them to heaven. Not just the grace, but the works. We have some nice Mennonite friends up the road too. They believe in works. That works is, is a part of your salvation. That that's what helps get you to heaven. But we understand that the Bible is very clear. By grace ye have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone can boast. Because if there's anything we can do about it, then we can say, well, I had some part in, in earning that salvation. And it's not even our works that keep us saved. And unfortunately, along the... the um, conservative Bible teaching churches a lot of times that thought is there as well now I'm a Christian now I got to do good works to keep my salvation and my question always is is if you didn't do anything to receive the salvation what makes you think you can do anything to lose your salvation it's a gift of God it's something that Christ has given us and it's only through the blood of Christ so when we look at sin we understand that we initiated it when we look at Jesus, we see that God initiated that, that the Father initiated that, and that is the only way, through the blood of Christ. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that we believe in Jesus for who the Bible states he is, that he is the only Son of God, that he is born of a virgin, that he came and that he walks amongst us. He was fully God and yet fully man, a mystery. We have troubles explaining that. We have troubles understanding that. That's okay, don't worry about that. There's a lot of things in this world I don't understand, but I benefit from them every day. Okay? So, but we believe that. We believe those things in Jesus. We believe that his death upon the cross paid for our sins. Well, how did that do? It doesn't make sense. God said it. I believe it. It's good enough for me. We believe in the third day he rose again from the dead and is seated in the heavenlies and that he's going to come back. We believe that his word is true. And so we walk by faith, not by sight. And we believe in God's word. And so when we look at Jesus, he is the only way for us to receive forgiveness of sins. And he is the only way for us to be um, reconciled with the Father. So those two are, are fairly simple. And if you just sort of work through those things, you're doing real good so far. You know, what does black represent? Sin. What does red represent? The blood of Jesus. Okay, we know that. So today, we are into gold. And if you follow it on Facebook, I said this morning, uh, this, this message is golden today. And this is what this is about. What does gold represent? We're going to live in the city of gold. It represents heaven. When you look at this, and if you're doing the colors of salvation, very simply, we can look at, at gold as heaven. Being in the presence of God for all eternity. Eternal life. There's a couple other colors we're going to go through, but, but this is the step of salvation right here. These three right here are, are it. This is the, the basic, very base level, the foundation from which we build. We were sinners. Christ died for us. Why we were yet sinners? So there's nothing redeemable about us. And Jesus died for us. Why we were sinners? Why did he do that? Because he wants us to be in heaven with him. His desire for us is to be in heaven for us. You know, there's a, a, and we're going to read this here in just a minute, in Revelations, if you want to turn there, um, in, in chapter 2. And actually, I'm getting ahead of myself right now. 
I want to go to uh, John 14, but you can still get to Revelation 2 because it's a, it's a wonderful description. But this is John 14, this is 1 through 3. And this is, when we look at the world today and we look at what the world is going through, and, and that's why a lot of people, they get all into the, the politics, and I believe, you know, politics is a, is, a, is a process, it's a tool, it's something that, as believers, we should be um, engaged in, we should be concerned about, we have a right to vote, we should be out there voting. Uh, those are, are things that have been fought for for us by our, our military, our country. They're rights that have been given to us by our country. So we'd be foolish not to use those, those God-given rights that he has given us. And we need to pray about it. You know, and, and we can look. And again, I'm going to get on the soapbox just for a moment. We can look and say, you know, well, there's just nobody that I really like. And so uh, I'm just not going to vote for anybody. I, I think that that is really a mistake that we make. Some people say, well, what, should we vote for the lesser of two evils? I say that's, that's a mistake too. What you need to do is you need to pray and seek God and ask him who you should vote for and give that peace. Because there is no perfect man, there is no perfect woman that's running for any position or, or that's there. We have to have grace, but what we want is what God wants. So it's not about me, it's not about my choice, it's not about what I thought, it's not the lesser of two evils, it's not this, it's not that. It's all about what does God want. Because God is sovereign, God is in control. So as we pray to God, as we seek Him, and seek what He wants, He's going to give us that, that peace in our life. He's going to give us that direction that we need in our life. And so when we look at a scripture like this, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. We look in the world today, we can see a lot of troubling things going on, a lot of things that disturb us, a lot of things that hurt us, a lot of things that worry us. I mean, no matter where you stand on a whole variety of subjects, it really doesn't matter. The world is full of troubling things today. And we don't need to look far at it. And we see people that, that battle and they try to compare one thing to the other. And I always say, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, we have this, this child trafficking that's going on, and we've actually had uh, uh, places as close as Fairchild that have been wrapped up into that. So don't think it's something that's just in big cities that's far away. There was a house in Fairchild not very long ago that was caught up in some of that child trafficking stuff. Those are things that should disturb us and hurt us, but we can't compare that to COVID-19. So people say, oh, everybody's all wound up about COVID-19. What about abortion? What about child trafficking? What about... We can't compare those things because that's just wrong. All these things are disturbing. All these things are wrong. All these things are sinful that are going on. We need to pray and stand again against each one of those things individually. They should all be consuming us in our hearts. So don't, don't get in, caught in that trap of trying to uh, compare these things to one another because... We really can't. They're all serious, and they're all things that people are struggling with. When we look at people that are, are dealing with the COVID thing, it's real to them. Maybe to me it's not as real because maybe I'm not being affected by it and I'm feeling fine and I have a viewpoint here. But for some people it is. As Sharon shared today, there's people that are isolated in their house. There's people that, that are, are afraid to go out. I remember when it first came, I went on an EMT call, and uh, it was with an elderly couple. They, we had our masks on, of course they had their masks on, and at that point, the, the gentleman said, we have not been out of our house in two months, him and his wife. 
neither one of them. Their daughters, their family were dropping off bags of, of groceries on the, on the step, and that's how they were doing it. It's a real thing for some people. Not everybody was doing that. Some people were out and about doing their, their things, just like today. Some people still are. But don't minimize it, because for some people it's very real. And these are troubling things. And so, in the scripture here, they're talking about a lot of things that can trouble our lives. But he says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. He wants us to know the security of heaven when we talk about gold. He wants us to, to know that that security, that he has a place that is set for those that are his. When we go through this life and whatever it is, the struggles that we're going through, maybe we're going through some health issues. We worry about our family members that have cancer or are, are dealing with some sickness or some illness. We worry about those that, you know, Arnie's having a, a disease, but we worry about those things. They're, they're troubling to us. They upset us. The things in the world can upset us and, and get us in turmoil. But I really believe God tells us as believers this. This life is, is but a vapor. It's a short time. And why we're in it, and I'm not saying that to minimize it, because I don't want to minimize it. But really what he's saying is look beyond where we're at now. And God has a place for us. And there's a day when we are going to be joined together where it says there's going to be no more sickness, no more wars, no more riots, no more death, no more trafficking, no more illnesses, no more of any of those things. And we're going to be in the presence of God being able to worship him. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. These things are temporal in our life. Don't worry overly about those things that are going on. We're in it, yes. We have to deal with it, yes. But our faith and our trust needs to be in God. We're sinful. Jesus came and gave his life that we might be reconciled to the heavens. Heavenly Father, and what does that mean? That we are going to be in paradise with him. We are going to be in heaven with him. And look at what he has given us. He says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. A house. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. It's not just a room. It's not just a, a Motel 6 that we're going to. We're going to have a mansion in the presence of God. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But I know that a mansion is better than a Hotel 6, right? God has something great for us, whatever it is. Am I just trying to be a Christian so I get something great at the end of life? No. This is just a, a, a result of a relationship that has been mended by Christ. I was lost in my sin. Jesus paid for my sin. I'm born again believer. I have that security of knowing that I am his and that when I leave this earth, no matter what this earth holds, that there is a place waiting for me. There's nothing quite like having a reservation somewhere when you're traveling. And the Bible tells us that uh, we're just traveling through this world. We sing a song about that from time to time. We're just traveling through this world. I remember one time Julie and I, we went on a vacation. We went down to Florida. We started driving thinking, well, we'll just pull in and, and get a hotel in, in one of these cities. Little did we know that they were having some convention along this coast that we were traveling and there was nothing available. And we had to drive and drive and drive and drive. And finally we got 
sort of a little dumpy place. But God says, guess what? When you're born again, don't let your heart be troubled. You have a reservation. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. He says, I'm telling you the truth. I want you to take this with you. I want you to, to hang on to this and know this. And this is what we want to share with others. And there's nothing that I can do to get that mansion. There's nothing. God's got it already. It's already prepared. It's already done. It's, it's already reserved. There's nothing that I can do to continue to hold that reservation. God says, I got your name upon the door. We've, had, we've been blessed in our life to travel some spots. And uh, I remember one time for uh, a pastor appreciation, they sent us up to Car Carper, Copper Harbor and to a bed and breakfast up there. And we went up there. And, and when you came on the door was our name, Lindgren's. It was nice. It was wonderful to say, this place is set for us. That's what God has for us. And we can tell people that. When we share the gospel with people, we, we can tell them, you don't need to fear if you know Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, no wonder the world fears. No wonder people are in a panic all the time. I had an individual respond to one of our church posts this, this last week, and it was just about salvation. And the person asked, but how do you know for sure? There was a question there. There was a concern there. There was maybe a little bit of, of uh, anxiety or, 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 or being afraid, not knowing. And a lot of believers have that in their life. They, they don't grasp on to the truth that God is holding us. We're not holding God. God is holding us. And he is mighty, and he is great, and he is grand. And he's got a hold of us. And so we worry sometimes, well, am I doing enough that God is still going to like me? Am I doing enough that God is still going to let me into heaven? Well, I've made some mistakes in my life since I've become a Christian. Does God still love me? And we can go back to the red. Why we were sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when there was nothing there to love. But he saw something in us. And our life doesn't make a, make a, 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 a change in that. Oh, today I'm, I'm, I'm living real good for God. So, man, uh, I'm getting a lot of points for him. And, and maybe tomorrow I struggle a little bit. And so, therefore, I've fallen out of favor with God. That's not how God is. That is not a characteristic of God. Now, we're going to talk about holiness and living right for God. Our desire needs to be towards God, living for God. But that doesn't hold us and that doesn't bring his, his favor to us. It doesn't mean that he likes us more because we're doing more for him than maybe our neighbor who, who doesn't. And I really believe that that's a false teaching in the church today. And it causes a lot of trouble in people's hearts. God wants us to have a heart that is confident and reliant upon him. That he will lead us and guide us. That he will take care of us. How often do we try to take care of ourselves and it, it just doesn't work? It just doesn't work. Ellie, shared her, can I share that story that you shared this morning? And I didn't read this, so I, it's in the Daily Bread. Our Daily Bread today. So it was about somebody swimming in the ocean. A couple swimming in the ocean and a, and a whale came up and sort of took the one under the wing, or the fin. I guess whales don't have wings, they have fins. 
and sort of swam around in circles and there was a shark in the water. And once the shark was gone, the whale let the person go. They're safe. That's sort of an amazing thing. And, and, and Ellie was really excited about it. And I was excited when she was telling me about it. She says, our God can do things like that. Now that person couldn't have saved themselves from a shark, but that whale could. And so many times we think that we have control over everything in our life. And we're going to keep just, and we, we want to. This is how we are. We just like to micromanage things all around us. And we want to keep control of everything around us. And sometimes God just says, let go. We see that saying, right? Let go and let God. We put our trust and our faith in God. And so when he tells us, let not your hearts be troubled, that's because we're putting our hope and our confidence and our faith in him. Not in our works, lest anyone should boast. See, God gives me the power and the strength to do what I need to do. And he's going to give me the strength and the power and the wisdom to do the effectual things that he wants me to do. I can be busy doing the things of God. Or I can, excuse me, I always like to say this. I can be busy doing godly things, but not necessarily the things of God. Okay, does that make sense to you? You can be busy doing all sorts of godly things. Just boom, 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 boom. But are you doing the things that God has called you to do? You know, we can do a lot of nice things in life, but God has called us for a purpose and a reason. He has called us to share our faith, and yet so many of us don't want to share our faith. He has called us to be interactive with people's lives, and yet we are in a, a society today with, with social media, and, and I don't think this COVID thing helps at all, but, I mean, we're, we're everybody's at arm's distance now. They talk about the social distancing of six feet. Six feet, that, that's fine with me. But we've had social distancing going on for years where we're not interacting in people's lives. There's a quote in the, in the newsletter that you should read, and it talks about somebody that's being active in the life of the church and who can do damage in, in, to the church and you know, who can really bless the church. And when you read those things, you really see the importance of, of what God can do in our lives. So he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you believe in the power of Jesus? Do you believe that we're sinful? So that it all starts, every one of these colors is something that we need to really grasp onto. Do we believe that we are sinful? That we are lost without Jesus? You know, or do we think, well, there's something good enough in me that God would let me in? We need to understand apart from Jesus, no, there's not. No, there's not. I'm sinful. Do we believe that Jesus paid the price upon Calvary? And that he rose from the dead. Do we believe that that can reconcile us? Because if we don't believe that, we're still lost in our sins. Do we believe that God has a place for us? That his desire is to have us eternally together with him? Because he does. I mean, who would go to this this work? If we just think about it in, in, in human resources, because... Who has the mind of God that we should know what God thinks? We don't. His ways are so far above our ways. But here, when I'm looking at it in, in earthly ways, I say, he's gone out of his way to build a mansion for me, to put my name upon the door, to reserve this for me. He has a place for me. He must love me 
tremendously. And we can share that with people. And we need to share that with people. The hard pill is, we share with them, you're a sinner, you're lost. You know, you're a liar, you're a stealer, you're a cheat, you're this, you're, you're, you're lost without Christ. See, we don't like to talk that way because we want people to feel good about themselves. Well, you can't get to heaven feeling good about yourself. you got to realize that you're lost. And without him, you're eternally lost and damned to hell. But the good news then starts with the very next, Jesus and heaven in what he gives us. So he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He is preparing this place for us. Now in his, his eyes, I think it's already prepared, I think from the foundations of the world, it is prepared for those who have come to trust and believe in him. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. He's saying, if I'm going through all the work of getting this ready for you, I am coming back for you. Don't feel alone. Don't feel isolated. Don't feel like, like I have left you. You know, we've had some silent years since the New Testament closed off. I mean, God is still at work, but we're not hearing the, the voice of God other than through His Scripture right now. Sometimes in our life, as we're going through things, we may ask the question, God, where are you? I'm going through this, this period of my life, this season of my life, and it's, it's difficult. Do you hear me? Do you hear my prayers? Do, do, do you know my feelings? Because, God, I'm feeling awful alone in a world full of people. But he wants us to know that he's going to come again. And he says, I'm going to receive you unto myself. You're going to come unto me, that where I am, there you will be also. And that's for all eternity. And I think that's a great and wonderful thing. If you're in Revelations now, turn to Revelations 2. And I think this is wonderful, and I'm probably going to butcher a bunch of words here. Uh, but this is great. And uh, it, it's sort of the message to, to uh, the loveless church. But when we started, like verse 8, um, actually this is the persecuted church that he's talking to. But he gives sort of a description that, um, oh, you know what, I'm probably in the wrong, wrong part of Revelation. There was a part of Revelation, I can't remember what, what uh, verse it is now, or what chapter. But it gives a description of what heaven's going to be like. And it talks about the, the gold being as glass. It gives a description of all these um, precious stones that are, are set in place. These 12 precious stones. What 10 here talks about in, in uh, Revelation 2.10, it says, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So when we talk about this faithfulness, what does that mean to us? What does that look like to us? Is that something that I conjure up? Can I make myself more faithful? Well, the Bible says that faith is a gift of God. The wonderful thing is that he says, Faith the size of a mustard seed... You can do amazing things. You can move mountains, right? But when we talk about faith, it says each one has been given a measure of faith. But the Bible also talks about that when we lack faith, we can pray for faith and ask for faith. Do you believe God wants to give you more faith? I do. I think he wants to give me more faith. Sometimes I, I, I think that I limit myself by my own thoughts and my own feelings and my own little uh, box that I've put God in and put myself in and put my, 
my, maybe my religion in or, or whatever we want to. You know, do we believe in healings today? Every Sunday we come up here and we, we pray for healing for people, but do we really believe in healings today? It's, it's, it's an amazing thing when you sort of look at the, the church as a whole, globally, okay? The, the, the Christian faith globally. That in some third world countries, they are seeing miracles all the time. I mean, even, even over in, in Iraq, in Pakistan, they're seeing Muslims by the droves come to Christ. But in America, the Muslim faith is growing. Don't we believe that Christ can change the heart of a Muslim here in America? Why is it happening in third world countries? Why is it happening in the Middle East and it's not happening here? Is it, believe, is it because those Christians over there believe in what they are praying for? Is it because those Christians over there are going out and evangelizing and sharing this message that we're talking about? Telling a Muslim that, that you're a sinner. The Bible says you're a sinner. Without Christ, you're lost. It is Jesus, not Muhammad. It is Jesus who died for your sins, whose blood was shed upon the cross for you. It is Jesus who raised again from the dead. Muhammad didn't raise from the dead. Buddha didn't raise from the dead. None of those gods of Eastern religions have raised from the dead. It was Jesus Christ who raised from the dead. God's only son. Why are conversions so great over there and over here? We're going backwards. Why do we see over in, in China, in Russia, in those other countries, healings taking place all the time, and here we don't see it quite as often? It does, it, it does happen. I just think maybe not to as great an extent as that we... Or maybe we just don't talk about it here much. As believers, we need to stand up. We need to pray believing. The Bible says if, if we're just praying just to he, say words, we're no different than that hypocrite that, that's just beating his chest, that just wants to be heard for the many words that he's saying. Do you believe when you pray for people? Now listen, sometimes it's hard. I've seen people in tough situations. I've been out on calls at EMTs. I, I pray for people there, not always verbally, but sometimes in my mind. Sometimes you look and you just you don't see how it can ever have a good outcome. But God tells us we need to pray believing. If we're not praying believing, why are we even praying? What, what are those words worth? Why are they good for anything? We need to have that faith. And if we lack that faith, we need to ask God for more faith. Because God gives liberally to those who ask. So God has this place. He says, be faithful unto death. Really telling us, do what we can do. Be steadfast. Don't give up. You know, when Hebrews talks about, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. One of the concerns about this COVID thing is, well, people are just going to get in the habit of not coming to church. 
Well, if, there, if that's all church is, is a habit, there's really not a relationship there anyways, is there? See? Because part of, part of that relationship with God is relationship with his body. This is how we relate with one another. So when it says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, it's talking about don't become complacent like some of those others. Don't fall into those traps as some of the others have done. We have a message to get out there. That Christ died and gave his life for us. And that he has a place in heaven for us. With streets of gold. Mansions to live in for all eternity. Where we'll be singing praises and glory unto him. We cannot even imagine this. Says our mind cannot even comprehend. I think a glitter of what God has for us up there. But when we share that gospel message we can tell people this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Whatever it is that you are going through in this life, don't let your heart be troubled. Put your faith and your trust in God. And when you follow, and when you are persistent, and when you are faithful in what God has given you by his power and his strength and by his spirit, he says, I will give you that crown of life. We don't do the things we do for the crowns and for the jewels. Those are just results of the things that happen with that relationship with Christ. They're just blessings. They're the inheritance that God is giving to his children. Do you believe in those things? Have you put your trust fully in Jesus Christ? Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he's got a place for you in heaven? And that there's nothing you can do here on this earth to secure that reservation because that reservation is made, but it's made in his name. It's put on his card, not on ours. And he's holding that for us. And that's where our encouragement comes. And that's where our determination and our persistence and our and our longing comes for it because we know that these things await us at the end. And so we can trudge through this life. We can face through this life. We can make it through these tough things. Some of you here have gone through some, some tremendously difficult things in your life. Some of you have faced death. You faced loss. You faced hardships. You, you faced things that Maybe some of us here would never even begin to understand. But you've made it through. And God will walk with us through these things. Again, when he says, don't let your heart be troubled, put your dependence upon him. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Can you do that? We've been to black, red, gold. Got a few more colors coming. But as we evaluate our life, where do we stand? But as we also get the opportunity to share this with people around us, it's a simple message. It's a simple message of hope and faith in what God has done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in our life. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you continue to do. 
And Lord, it is your work. It is your work, not ours. And Lord, we put our trust and our faith in you. And Lord, you have called us to be obedient. You have called us to call upon you. You have laid it all out. I like to, to, to think about it sometimes as a, as a, a smorgasbord or a department store. It's all there before us and you have called us to walk in that glory that you have laid before us. Lord, we know that there are those here that are going through difficult times that struggle with things, but Lord, you have called us to be a blessing. You have called us to be a blessing to others, and I thank you, Lord, for my church family here that is a blessing to my family, to Julie and I. I thank you for the encouraging words and texts. I thank you even on social media sometimes the uh, the little blurps that, that aren't directed directly towards us, but they're just positive. They're things encouraging people. They're, they're things that shed light in a dark world. Lord, as Christians, we need to understand that you have called us to be an example. And it is the world that is dark right now. It is the world that is, is spewing hatred and division. It is the world that is, is spewing all the stuff that is just darkness and depression. And then, Lord, it's not to ignore the reality of the things that are going on in this world, but we need to understand that we are not of this world. That we are just passing through. That we are strangers and foreigners in this world. And you have called us, just as the prophets of old, to come and to proclaim Jesus to a lost and dying world. You have called us to come and to sow seed in a dry and barren land. You have called us to, to come and water that which needs a drink. Father, help us to be faithful in the things that you have called us to do and, and help us to do it, Lord, with the, the hope and the glory that you have called us to do. Help us not to mimic the world in our thoughts. Help us not to use false guilt. Help us not to uh, have people question your righteousness and your glory. But Lord, may we be the ones that point and say, this is the way, this is the truth, and this is the life. And that no one enters except by this gate. Father, we can't drag people through those gates. We can't make people believe that's a work of your Holy Spirit, the calling and the receiving. But Lord, you have called us to share. And we can do that. And so Lord, give us the blessing as we do share. Give us the excitement and the zeal of knowing that we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. We sing that song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is with me, whatever men may say. Lord, you are with us and amongst us. And so let our light shine amongst men. Bless us now, Lord, as we leave this place. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.